This is a very special episode of the Thunderstock Show. Uh, I have a guest, Ed. Ed, your last name is Barone. Yep. Ed Barone. Ed drove from Williamsport. We're going to be talking about private equity, M&A, and what it looks like to, to sell a business, and, how, and more importantly, how to get small business owners ready to sell a business. Ed, thanks for joining. Nope. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, been helping business owners prepare for their exit for about eight, nine years now as a focus. Uh, total transactions now I've been involved in is over $300 million. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, $400 million now. Uh, a lot of small business owners help them get ready for the exit, and then we're bringing a team of, of other advisors who help get the business sold and over the finish line. And you've been doing this business with the financial uh, planning for what, 22, 24 yeah, years? Yeah, I've been in financial services financial for services. 23 years now. 23 years now. And what got you from financial services to this more niche down subset of that? You know, in the previous life, I was with Marriott Corporation. I was an mm-hmm. executive chef, food and beverage director. Love running businesses. I ran some pretty large accounts for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there was a natural connection to work with business owners. So I understand the nature of running a business as well as every business owner is different. Mm-hmm. So every exit plan is different. It's tailored to what the business owner needs, and that's our goal in the exit plan is for them to execute their ideal exit. Yeah. Now, I, I love that background of helping owners operate business and then getting to get closer and closer to the actual um, you know, crossing the finish line for a lot of them really, because, yep. and I want to get into more detail, but financially a business owner, they risk it all for that American dream. Yep. And for a lot of them, that is their entire net worth. Now, not all, but yeah. And you can speak more to that. Oh, absolutely. You know, we take them through a six step exit process. And at that point we get them to where we now need to create a transferable business. So we can get into that a little bit, but you know, we first, we focus on goals. What are their goals? Top three goals I find with most business owners is, of course, family and financial. Mm-hmm. Employees, the employees they love, they're like family. They want to make sure the new owner treats them right. And then their legacy in the community. They want their business to succeed and what culture is going to buy their businesses. Really keep stay in the community and provide jobs in the community they grew up in. Uh, the next step we f- we'll focus a lot on here is the financial readiness. Uh, it tends to be one of the, of course, it's one of the goals. Uh, most business owners are going to say, really don't need know what they need to extract from the business. Mm. I get a lot of calls, have been offered $10 million. I was for sure excited. Who wouldn't be excited sure. to get $10 million, right? Uh, they call me. I said, all right, come in, let's look at things. And we start to build out this deep dive into what do they need. So first it's a cash flow analysis just for them in retirement. What do they need? We personally. Do personally, mm-hmm. on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Then we start to look at what are their other goals? Are they going to want to buy a home on the beach when they sell? Mm-hmm. Or before? What is that? Another million, two million dollars. How much do they want their heirs to receive? Legacy goals. Legacy goals, right? Then we look at, is there any charitable intentions? What are they? Do we plan the exit? So the strategies we can deploy prior to the exit, where maybe we're gifting shares to 
a charitable organization prior to the sale mm -hmm. to get that charitable deduction up front. Maybe it's on the back end when they die for doing some charitable gifting, or maybe it's their whole life. They want to be able to gift. And we talked to them about different strategies to employ in their so, you know, we start to wrap up all these numbers and you can see how those numbers can quickly escalate if you're 50, 60, 65 years old and the life expectancy now so is 70, in the 80s. Is it in the 80s? The early 80s. Okay. But I thought now, it was going down as no, of late. Well, it did a little bit because of COVID ah, okay. and some things like that. Mm -hmm. But now when we run a plan, we're running at the age 100. Interesting. Because a married couple, I think the odds are, if you have a married couple, 60s, I think the odds of one of them reaching is close to 20%. Oh, my goodness. So okay. we got to run that for longevity reasons. Sure, right? sure, sure. We'd rather be conservative and say, hey. 100% agree. You know, and I just met with a, a, a day, and his in-laws are in their 90s, and his parents are in their 90s. We already see a DNA there, right? Yeah, <laughs> the genetics are there. There's so so when we get down to it, we really come up with then what is that big number we need? But we then we break it down to what income as income producing assets do they have right now? Mm. Besides the business, which you just pointed out, right. the business tends to be a large percentage of their not unlikely to see their net worth that their business is seventy eight percent, seventy to eighty percent of their net worth. Quick question. When you're talking with these clients, what is the average tenure that they've been a business owner for that asset? Is it is it usually like 20, 25 years? Or is it like, hey, I bought this five years ago. I'm trying to flip it. Is that more rare? So I, that is much more rare. So I forget what university did the study, but they did a really good study and they analyzed the three types of that. Different ways to look at it, but this study had them broken down into three different types mm -hmm. of business owners. Seventy-five percent of business owners are craftsmen. Mm -hmm. They got into business because they were doing something they loved. Mm -hmm. They were an architect. They were an electrician. They're an IT guy. Whatever that was, an engineer, and they just love what they did, and the business evolved. They're the ones that are the most challenging from a metal and readiness standpoint. For them to exit the business because they're doing what they love so much. The other 25% was broken down into two groups. Freedom fighters, which is a little around 20% of the 25 left. And they're the people who just can't work for anyone else. <laughs> right? They have a hard time taking direction from anybody else. <laughs> that final 5% of the growth guys, I call them the serial entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And that was the last group you mentioned. That they just love creating a business, buying a business, growing it, flipping it, selling it, moving to the next. Mm -hmm. Right. So, to your point, a majority of the business owners, and when you look at baby boomers, uh, last stat I saw was eight million businesses are owned by baby boomers. And there was what twenty million total businesses. Yeah, I, I don't know the number of total, but privately held, I'm not sure. I, I saw a number, and again you'd be the right person to bounce this idea off of, but is something the ballpark of what, $6 trillion privately yes. held U.S. dollars yeah, so it'll in be baby boomer business? In baby boomer's business. So, you know, we always we always talk about the 401k transfer wealth. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at the privately held business transfer wealth coming out of the baby boomer generation, I'm just below it. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, yeah. I'm, at, I'm at the end of the baby boomer generation, mm -hmm. uh, the very end. It's a lot of net worth trading hands. 
And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, the organization uh, who I got my certified business exiting consulting through the International Exit Planning Association, the IEPA, mm-hmm. they do, we do surveys through them. And one of the surveys we do, we call it the Business Exit Readiness Index, and it measures a person's financial readiness and mental readiness. Mm-hmm. And flip back five, six years ago, when they did the, they did the results of over 1,000 surveys completed, about 85% of the business, the baby boomers, who are business owners, were not ready to exit. That's staggering. Forward. That's that's five trillion dollars. If we're saying six trillion is the number, they just not men- they weren't mentally ready. Yeah, to exit, right? yeah. So yeah. we talk about financial readiness. We can talk about mental readiness. There's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're starting to see that eighty five percent comes down. Okay, because the baby boomers are getting older. And they're starting to wake up and say, "All right, I got through COVID. I think COVID is making them think different." All right. That, there's a silver lining, I guess. And, uh, you know, so they're starting to say, yeah, this is being transferred either while I'm alive or after I pass, but maybe I should start to think about Mm -hmm. what that exit looks like. Now, it's so interesting, you know, quick personal story. I have have a client who's baby boomer, mid-60s, and when I talked to him nine, ten months ago, it's like, yeah, I can see myself running this for another five, ten years, and then, you know, he has a to do estate planning for his parents that passed in between now and then. And, you know, there was a major surgery for him now, between now and then. And that five, 10 years looks more like five to 10 months. Like, get me, I'm ready to go now. And really these life events do expedite. Oh, these life events trigger, trigger, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, dealt with a lot of people who just didn't do any, I call business succession planning. Uh-huh. Uh, when I got into this business 23 years ago, we talked a lot about business succession planning, whether it was buy-sell agreement between partners, mm-hmm. how are you getting out of the business? But if you're an independent, 100% owner of the business, you know what is your succession plan? Have you funded death, disability, mm-hmm. uh, and, and those things you cannot predict or control? Because work with the widows or widowers afterwards of the business owner. And the outcome isn't pretty when the surviving spouse doesn't know how to run the business. Uh, I've seen business values get cut in half by the time. And we get the business, the business is actually goes to market and it's now two, three years later. I mean, we business owner who wore all the hats. You touched on it earlier. And I, I just want to bring it up too, is I, I went through the EOS training. I had a coach. Uh, yeah. And one of the main things on the very first discovery meeting day EOS was like, this is a program for the business owner that wants to work on the business, not work in the business all the time. If you feel like you're wearing every hat and that business will fail without you, that's not the position that I, as an EOS coach, this is what our presenter was saying, mm-hmm. wants to put you in. And the transferability of a business is really contingent upon, now that I've been on the buy side, you know, that owner operator not being the face and the heart and soul of the business, like it needs to be able to exist without that person one way or the other. And that, that either, either through a, a net worth loss, if you know, they, mm-hmm. they die, like the business tanks or, you know, they can prepare for it and start making that exit strategy. So, Oh, you're so right. You know, we talked about the financial readiness a little bit. The mental readiness is a whole nother piece of it. 
It's what ties into the financial readiness. It is. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. But we got to get financially ready that they feel they're very comfortable and they have the assets that can keep them in the lifestyle. Yeah. The mental readiness can be other factors of why they haven't sold. We talked about the craftsmen. They just love what they do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is they've owned this business and that's who they are in the community and they feel they're going to lose their identity when they sell the business. Other time it is they may have a family member or key employee who they want to take over the business, who wants to take over the business, but they don't feel they're ready. Mm. So how do we bring in the right coaches and advisors mm-hmm. to coach those people up? That's all we need to do. And let's identify what their weak strengths are, right? Because management, leadership, and ownership are three different skill sets. That's actually a brilliant line right there. Management, leadership, ownership, three different skill sets, yeah. Right. So not maybe not every manager has the other skill sets or every uh, son, daughter, whoever's in the business. We need to coach them up and get the right advisors in there to coach them. EOS does that too. Because if you think about a family business transfer and maybe your son doesn't have the same DNA or your daughter doesn't have all the DNA traits as the founder, but if you have the right management team in, the right people in the right seats of leadership to help the business be successful without you, that just makes your heir could step in and run the business as well, right? Uh, so it's it's really cool. But EOS, you know, we talk about the business readiness of it then too. Uh, how is the business ready? What do we got to do to get the business ready? Uh, there's several facets in that. EOS is one part of it. I just got back. Last week I spoke at the EOS National Conference Center as a, as a speaker. We did a, I did a joint presentation with an investment banking firm, and we talked about executing your ideal exit. And we presented for about an hour a room full of business owners. Great presentation. And uh, we went through EOS. I had been doing business exit planning for, uh, say, eight, nine eight years, years now. Nine years, yep. Eight, nine years now. Uh, we adopted EOS two years ago as a firm been great in our growth trajectory, our structure, creating processes and all those things for growth in our business. But it was funny, I walked away because I'm coming back to the point you said, the business owner wearing all the hats. When I sit down with a business owner, the first question I ask is, would you buy the business without you in it? That's a Nine out of 10 times, the answer is either silent (laughs) or no. What was interesting, when I got to EOS, I was asking the same business owners who are now running on EOS, some a year, some in two years, and they're going, you know, now I'd feel much more comfortable because I have a management team and structure processes in place, right? So that can help with the mental side, mm-hmm. right? Getting the business ready. And there's many facets to getting the business ready. So from a financial side, mm-hmm. to, to focus on that, We've talked about the, the psychological, the, the identity aspect being really tough to let go for that 75% of yeah. uh, business owners, right? It's so tough. But what do you think the biggest financial challenge is for these business owners? Is it, is it that because what made that business remarkable was their dedication to growing it for the last 20, 25 mm-hmm. years? And it, do you think that – one of the biggest challenges is diversification or is it that they necessarily 
find it difficult to extrapolate what their personal financial situation is versus their business financial situation? Like, how would you? That's a great question, and there's many parts of that answer. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is, business owners. You know, when I went back and said we went stepping back in our conversation when we started with the financial piece is identifying truly the net amount they need to fulfill all the goals of heirs, legacy, and everything. Once we get that, and that business owner, he's an example who called me with $10 million, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, liabilities got to be paid off. Taxes got to be paid off. There's transaction fees. And now maybe we're sitting on $5, 6000000 mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that doesn't fulfill their needs, right? So this is why it's, financial planning is critical to this piece. The, the other aspect of that is people, the financial side of it, they, they've grown their business and they're living off the income. The income has provided them a lifestyle. Mm. They never looked at their business as invested capital. So in, when we begin the financial planning process, in addition to cash flowing everything, looking at expenses, assets, and income-producing assets, we get a business valuation done, and there's a couple valuations. We just get the we just get the simple business valuation done. Uh, it's not the formal one that has to stand up in front of the IRS. We're doing this just for planning reasons. Mm-hmm. So we get a business valuation done, and when we get that business valuation done, and we get the this is what I now need to extract from the net proceeds of the business with all my assets, and I need to net ten million not gross $10 million on the sale. The business owner now has a business valuation, let's say it's five, six million. Well, now they need, now they need, know what they need to grow the business to. I see. Right? Uh, so it's really important for them to get that. And I want to touch just on valuations because it's interesting. We study who's searching our, our website, EG Exit, so we can always tell by the, the analytics. Mm-hmm. What's driving people to our website? And the uh, number one thing is valuations. Interesting. It's driving people to our website. And we don't have a lot on I'm building out that content now as we speak to put more content out there on valuations. Uh, but what people don't understand on, they think when they get a valuation, that's the valuation of the business. A valuation is nothing but what your company was worth at that point in time. Correct. If you're not selling for a year from now, your business value is changing, number one. But we always talk to them. We need to help you maximize and capture the value of your business. How do we do that, right? How do you do that? Well, what do you need? Mental readiness, all that fuck we are. Is the business ready? Have we created a transferable business? A business that can, a transferable business, a definition is a business that can be run by someone else today. Turnkey. Turnkey, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can have a business like that, that means you're going to have, and there's five types of exit options you can choose from. There's a competitor synergy buyer, basic baby, private equity group, the investor guy, right? And then you got the internal transfers of a management buyout or family transfer, or you have an ESOP. But if you've truly made that business transferable, and when I contact and we bring in the right investment banker who sells you, I don't sell businesses. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify that. For-
You prepare. I help the owner get ready to sell the business, and then we bring in the four or five other advisors who are going to be at the table within their own disciplines. But then when the investment banker comes and he starts to work with you, well, now let's put the financials together, let's get clean financials, so forth. How are we going to market your business? Mm-hmm. Well, if your business is really transferable and it's running with the right management team and you've gotten the right business processes, proven processes in place, and all these data measures and everything's been in place for a couple of years of how you've grown the business and it's trending, you're going to have a lot more buyers to the table. That's just common sense, uh, right? Right. I mean, seriously, when from let's look at real estate as an investment class. You know, if I'm looking at a dilapidated property, it's fallen apart. That you know, even if the landscaping's overgrown and overrun, if I want to be a value add investor, I'm like, okay, great. I need to put a new roof on there. I need to run electrical. I need to do tons and tons to work. You know, to make it. Rent renter friendly ready, and I'll make my money on the gap, right? I'm gonna yep. make your money on the buy on that deal, and then put mm. in the equity. But a lot of investors, a lot of investors I talk to want turnkey, yeah, because they're tired of trading their time for money as like a W two position or their or whatever. Yeah, and uh, you're you're kind of greasing the wheels to keep it in motion. Um, I, I could talk about about EOS <laughs> and the. The same ways that you manage a business, you're doing it for your own life when it comes Mm -hmm. to your big, hairy, audacious goal Mm -hmm. changing. Like if you don't have that goal, you don't have that North Star, you can't direct or plot a course in order to get there. Um, That leads me sort of to a next question is, you know, what is the number one lesson that you've learned in your experience through these eight, nine years of preparedness for these business owners that when you first started, you know you didn't you didn't quite think of it. But now that you've seen so many deals, it, there was like a recurring theme mm-hmm. or a lesson that to the the new guy they just wouldn't have any idea. Yeah, and, and I think I'm glad you brought up real estate because I'll just piggyback off that because that helps valuation in some in some you, terms. You had a good point there, right? But when you look at, I think a lot of people think selling their business is like selling a piece of real estate. Mm. It's not. No. You know, no, no, no. Uh, the founder of the International Exit Planning uh, coined a term. I love it. Exiting your business is a process, not an event. Mm. So if there's one thing I learned that That's to really optimize, to really optimize and capture the true value of your business, three-year minimum to begin the exit planning process is going to help you. Five, I think, is ideal. Three is three is really good. Five is awesome. Because then we can really hone in and get that business ready. So I don't think business owners really understand this piece of it, mm-hmm. right? That to really maximize, hit on all cylinders, leave with the, the money you need to exit on your terms. I call it, let's exit on your term, not the buyer's terms. It's really critical. Timing. Timing is everything. Timing of, well, we can talk about timing of taking your business to market, right? Uh, One of the things I've just, learned, you know, and I want to bounce off you, is it seems like nine out of 10 business that do sell maybe hold on too long. That could be it too, right? M- miss, knowing when to say when, right? Because uh, as someone that was a uh, former 
professional cage fighter, a- amateur on the path to be professional cage fighter. I've seen so many people just get TBI after TBI that mm-hmm. couldn't hold a, a desk job, like just had totally injury ridden. Where it's just like, man, you got to hang it up, but yeah. they couldn't hang it up. And I'm one of the lucky guys that I feel like I retired mm-hmm. early than late, and I actually could do a, a new career. But yeah. You just see so many people go down and out trying to hang on to it. And yeah. Same yeah. thing with business. You yeah, get how, up. how quickly an industry can change Yeah, because of technology. Well, How many people reinvented themselves for COVID? Sure. Had to reinvent themselves for COVID. Sure. The ones that did really have done well coming out of it, and the ones that didn't, I, I met with a gentleman a week ago. Mm-hmm. He's still recovering from COVID, what, <sighs> the impact it had on his business. And so, you know, so... You are right. Uh, you know, interest rates go up, so the cost of capital gets more. Mm-hmm. Right? So a rising interest rate. If you are running a great business, and it's an awesome business, and you're hitting on all cylinders because we've done all the planning, your business is still in demand, and you're still going to get a multiple for it, even in this environment. You're still seeing that. However, the average companies that we saw two years ago, yeah, two years ago, there was so many M and A transactions going on in this country before COVID. Interesting. The, the there were more M and A before there COVID. There were so many transactions because there was so much money to put the word. So companies that were even average because there was so much interest out there and the cost of money was really cheap. Remember, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Interest yeah. rates are really low, right? Oh yeah. So when interest rates are really low, cash is really cheap. Yeah. Uh, so leverage is really easy. Uh, so that I can that can skew values, but there was so much money out there to find businesses and find a place to get a return that average businesses their valuations popped up. Now I'm going to say if you're an average business with the cost of capital being high, your valuation may not be what it was. Right. So timing, you brought that up. I just wanted to mention that. Mm. Right. No, Economic that's... cycles, it all fits in. And of course, like it's so rare for somebody to be able to accurately predict, you know, a black swan event, you know, and it's yeah, one of those yeah. things where there's there's the voluntary suffering of discipline, which is signing up for EOS, working through this three to five year exit strategy ahead of time, doing all of the the right things, and then also it's how do you respond to the involuntary black swan events of a COVID or a pandemic mm-hmm. or an interest rate hike, and if you can weather I think having an exit strategy plan that you execute ruthlessly and it will help your chances of weathering these black swan events infinitely more. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I want to go back to valuation because I didn't finish my thought there. Mm-hmm. But So when we get the valuation done for the first time, and we're talking about cash flow, right? People, their business created a cash flow for them that they got used to and I prided them a lifestyle. When they get that first valuation done, and now they're looking at their business as invested capital. Mm. And now every year we got to get a valuation done to see if they're growing it to the value they need to grow it. They start to manage your business a little differently. Mm. Right? <laughs> it's really cool to see a, the evolution occur in front of my eyes when we go through that with a business owner. So, you know, one of the things we talked about when it comes to the financial readiness aspect is the effect of interest rates and what that looks like and, and the effect on 
you know, when there's more M and A total transfers happening, and it's becoming like you mm-hmm. know before COVID and, and how those things. But what is how does the effect of like the globalization or like the the change of uh, international business interest, you know, with with tensions heating up with Russia mm-hmm. or with tensions potentially with you know the Southeast Pacific, you know, Taiwan and China, are you seeing here or are we a little bit insulated? Um, you know, if you're a effect. company that's just doing business domestically, I think the big impact was the supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. COVID taught us the supply chain. And with the tensions with China, and we're seeing that, right, supply chain is coming back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, the government's infused, I forget how many billions just for uh, IT and chip plants, mm-hmm. semiconductor plants in the U.S. Uh, they did, they funded a lot to bring drug companies back from China during COVID, right? Because we were too dependent on Java. So I'd say, it looks look at your supply chain mm-hmm. more than anything as a domestic company. I'd say if you're a company looking to exit and you have a lot of receivables, outstanding international, we should have a conversation about credit insurance. Even if you're domestic, credit insurance may make sense on the exit planning process just for sleep at night. Just sure. to sleep at night, right? I mean, so if you have, if your revenues are over five million, and you, you know, that's kind of the starting point. Revenues five, ten million or higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at your receivables, uh, insuring them may make sense. Uh, oftentimes, it's always a negotiating factor on the exit. Is what your AR, your accounts receivable? They're always negotiated. Uh, Working with one of the business bankers, I know he was he instituted credit insurance a couple of years prior to the exit. Well, that dropped. A lot of times you may have an earnout, and sometimes your accounts receivable is part of your earnout that it gets paid to the new owner. Mm. So he saw the earnout drop from a million to a quarter of a million because they got credit insurance. So now the buyer is protected that they're going to get that money. But if you think if you're a domestic company selling international, what recourse do you have with a company in France or Italy? You <laughs> Who are you going to send over there? Exactly. Yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. the resources or tools. So you hand that off to a giant company, insurance company, who has those resources, who can go get that money. They're going to pay you, get your receivables, get your money to you, and then they're going to go after the company overseas. Uh, there's other reasons uh, credit insurance may help your banking terms. Mm-hmm. Right? Banks like to know your receivables are insured. Banks love security. Banks like the well, less risk, risk yep. the better the deal you may get. Yep. Right? The covenants may be a little bit better in that deal structure. That's one thing, too, that I think sometimes um, buyers, I don't want to say overlook, but they don't put as much thought into is, which strategic banking partner, right? Mm-hmm. Because some banks are more risk averse than others. Mm-hmm. And with events like the SVB bank run, yep. um, I would say being friendly with some some bankers now is almost maybe more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and just picking the right Yeah, understanding who your bank is. Yeah. And what's their financial stability, right? And how are they making decisions from a risk standpoint? Because, you know... It, one of the things I love about doing deals is, and I've learned this phrase that it's been popularized. It's like your your terms, my price, mm-hmm. because those are the, kind of the two inputting factors on, yeah. on what deal will be like terms and price. Yeah. Um, and 
it's like everyone that goes to the table, you know, the longer someone like waits to close, typically the buyer has a little bit more leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Like the like the sooner like if if a seller wants to close yesterday, and they're in a big hurry, the buyer can pull back in the reins and get whoa 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. But if the seller works with people like Ed and they have a three to five year plan that they've been prepared, you know, they're not beholden to having to close fast. So Well, they're not beholden to having to close fast. They could structure the deal maybe better from a taxation standpoint yeah. on the back end. Uh, and they're going to have more buyers at the table. They're gonna, and, and more buyers at the price. table drives price up. Yeah. Supply Again, and demand. Same thing, same thing with the real estate, right? Yep. It, again, it's not like you said before. It's a process, not an event. But if you can create more demand for your business transaction, when there's multiple buyers. I mean, all that does is create competition in the seller's favor. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I guess to to ask another question on the financial readiness. You know, if you're talking to somebody, let's just say we're talking to a guy who's 35 years old. That's starting a business. Like he, he just, I just bought a business, mm-hmm. right? And if I said, Ed, I don't necessarily want to exit in three to five years, but if I want to, you know, I bought this business, I, I want to flip it in three to five years. How does that look like versus if I said, Ed, I want to work with you and sell us in 20 years? Like, are there, is it a drastic approach for you? Well, there may be more sense of urgency on the three to five years, right? To get, yeah. The- but you're going to manage towards your exit always, right? Stephen mm-hmm. Covey, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. I, I guarantee you 99 out of 100 business owners never thought of how they were going to exit their business when they started. Interesting. Right? Now, there are those, I'm going to go back to the serial entrepreneurs who are right. wired a little different. I'm, I'm going to self-identify as that. Yeah. It's right. a selfish question. <laughs> I'll be picked it up. Right? But they're, they're wired differently. Yeah. Right? But most people, the business have, you know, it's funny. When I was out at EOS, I met a gentleman. It's just a fabulous story. Uh, he lost his home. Mm. So had two kids, his wife, had to survive. Started doing work. He was a, he's, he's a promotion, now big promotions company. Okay. Uh, and he ended up printing doing t-shirts this is in the 70s i think he said doing print on t-shirts in his bathtub because all the chemicals in the mess and then he'd take his screens to a car wash to clean them and he's like i never thought once that i was going to have a promotion business i was in survival mode for my family but now it's involved to a fabulous business mm-hmm. he's now on the other end looking at what exit makes sense for him. But a lot of business owners, a lot of businesses are, have been created that way, right? Uh, I brought up Marriott Corporation earlier. They were started by a root beer stand on the side of a road. It's, so there's so many of those stories out there where, you know, the guy started with a wheelbarrow on a pickup truck. Man, I love I love hearing I can hear those stories all day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love hearing I love them. Every business owner want to hear how it started and it. And I want to hear about all the trials and tribulations because business owners take big risk. Huge risk. They risk everything. And, you know, there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs that are where they thought they had made it and COVID hits and they're looking around going, what am I going to do? I love, I love that 
that philosophy that that success is a process and not a, and not an event. Uh, there was an interview with a basketball player who won a championship, I believe, it was in twenty one for the Milwaukee Bucks, and he goes, he goes, okay, so we didn't win a championship last year. Like, does that mean we're we're failures? No, we're we're basketball players that have good games and bad games. You know, we always want to take step by step and be as good as possible. He goes, do you think for fifty years before we won this championship were we losers? He's like, no, we were doing what needed to be done to win the championship in that year. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I've talked to business owners that had exits in the nineties. Uh, in like 1996 for $46 million cash payout that, that time and adjusted for inflation. Now you're looking at like a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in, in 2020 or something or other, lost it all, had to go and pound the pavement and start selling again. Yeah. And, but it's like, they love the game. They do love the game. And, and for me, I think a valuable nugget to take from a financial readiness standpoint is having a network of people. Like if you're, the seventy-five percent of people that's a technician that loves doing the business because you like doing the thing, you're in that survival mode. Network with the freedom fighters that can't work for somebody else and be like, all right, well, like you tell me, right? Because you have you have obviously no reverence for authority. Like tell mm-hmm. me, t- tell me how it is, and find those consultants like that, mm-hmm. right? They'll give mm-hmm. you that feedback, and then maybe network with the one percent of people that are just are in it to be serial entrepreneurs that want to do the buy sell transaction of businesses mm-hmm. because that's the business that they're in. Yeah, right? exactly. That is their passion. Right. Like they're buy, if, grow, sell, buy, grow, sell, rinse and repeat. Repeat, repeat, you know. I have a I have a younger brother who is a career academic. He loves to do math. He's asking me, how do I monetize this? He's like, yeah, now that I'm a tenured professor at 29 years old, he's like, I oh, great. I'm in the NFL of, of mathematics. He's like but I'm pla- I'm at the plateau. Like I hit the ladder. Now what? Like he wants to keep growing. I'm like, well, like you have to market your business. You have to market, create a business. Yeah, you have to find you have to find a need and fill it. Yeah, you have to find pain in society, and create a solution. And that I think you know to answer a question that I've been asking you, what further can business owners like? What steps can they take for financial readiness? Oftentimes, if they're the builder who just loves building property and, and selling it, if, mm-hmm. or if they're the the person who just loves hiring teams and growing teams and or, or doing media, it's like find somebody that does exit planning. Find yeah. Ed. Connect yeah. with Ed because yeah. that will be the answer nine times out of ten for how to make that financial jump. Yeah. Without it, you know, you you may have just worked your whole life, and the reward was you worked your whole life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love working with business owners because not one business owner is the same as the next. I mean, every deal is different, and I love that. I love being a problem solver. Uh, I love working, and I work with a team of professional advisors in the mergers and acquisition business, such as M&A attorneys, Mm -hmm. tax professionals, investment bankers. There's a whole cadre. Uh, estate planning is part of our team. Estate planning attorney, because often we got to focus on that. It's part of the financial planning. Uh, so aligning yourself with a team of advisors who have worked together mm-hmm. uh, and who get along with each other, and their end goal is what's best for the client. Absolutely. Well, when it comes to baby boomer exits, Ed Barone is your guy. I talk to. Uh, in the central Pennsylvania area, uh, Evergreen Wealth Management. So it's evergreenwealthsolutions.com is our wealth firm. Evergreenexits.com is for our 
business owners looking to exit. Uh, and on that website, you can contact us or you can just start by taking our business exit readiness index survey. Mm -hmm. They can pop on, they can take it. They're going to get a report on their financial readiness, mental readiness. We can then have a follow-up conversation and do a deeper dive into why they answered the questions the way they did. Definitely go to these websites and search Ed Barone on LinkedIn. Uh, make yep. a connection. Thanks so much for your time. And Thank uh, you. Been great talking to you. Been a great chat. Thanks.